Welcome to Short Course, episode 67, for January 13th, 2020. I'm your host, Ben Barry. I'm a solid two months into this offseason. So last, uh, well, let's see. So Nationals was first week in November. So it's been a solid two months since I shot. I did um, weekend before last, first weekend of January. Uh, I did end up shooting the the January Sir Walter match just up the road. It was actually honestly a bit of a, a an impulse decision. I, I wasn't originally planning to shoot it. I probably wouldn't have even thought about it if I hadn't gotten the email uh, saying that I was late submitting my stage design and then I had to pull off and dust out a, a stage design that I'd kind of drafted but never put the finishing touches on uh, because I designed one of the one of the stages for the match. Um, which, you know, I'm sure they could have covered without me, but they were expecting it. And I saw no reason not to at least fulfill that. And, and as I was looking at that, I was like, yeah, yeah, it'd be, it'd be good to get out and shoot. Um, I mean, uh, let's see, two weeks. Yeah. Call it two weeks after nationals. We, we bought a new house or we closed on a new house, closed on our old house. And, you know, there was about a solid, solid week there of just packing and unpacking, boxes, uh, not to mention, you know, organizing the things once they're out of the boxes and building shelves and all that. So it's been a, it's been a very busy and productive off season for me. So no complaints there, but it was, um, it was in the middle of that process that I actually realized that I probably could actually use like getting out to shoot. You know, I, I was, I've been trying to spend, um, as much time as I could on house stuff and there's a there's value in that, especially when there is something as big as you know packing your whole life and trying to unpack it in a new house. And it was uh it kind of felt frivolous with all that going on to to go out and and take a day and, and shoot a match until you realize it's actually good to get out and shoot sometimes. This is probably not a not a revolution for most of you guys listening, but I think I I tend to make shooting a lot like work for myself now you know it's a job where I'm the boss but um I you know I I tend to have a way of kind of sucking the fun out of it sometimes I'll admit that and so it definitely was uh it was really good to get out and just shoot a match uh, especially because and this is sort of the <laughs> the 180 degree turnaround just kind of whiplash change in in results I, I just I I went in with no expectations. Um, I had I had dry fired three times the week before, three decent dry fire sessions. Uh, I actually when I went to uh, when I went to actually pull the the guns, my two guns out, and just sort of check them and make sure there were nothing had happened to them since since I put them in the bags uh, at nationals. I actually noticed that one of my guns was missing the the fiber on the front sight which was kind of surprising to me until I sort of had this memory come up from the deeps of, oh yeah, I did actually lose it on the reload at on the very last stage of nationals. And honestly, at that point, I mean, you can go back and listen to the, the nationals podcast, but that, that was the end of day three. My, my day three was pretty disastrous for me. Um, I, I felt like I was shooting pretty well and, and ended up stepping on the gas and like dropping two no shoots on the very first array of the day, which kind of spent everything spiraling down. And and so by the time it was all over, I was just like, I was done. Um, 
So I actually, you know, I'm, I'm sure I made a mental note. Oh yeah, I got to replace the fiber on that gun, but it had just gone completely out the window in the last two months. And so when I, when I opened up the bag and I saw there was no fiber, I thought, Hmm, okay. How did that happen? And then, and then the memory slowly came back. But what was, uh, I think, especially with, with two months of perspective, looking back on it, I, I really think, uh, what really soured my experience of nationals this past year really, really was just expectation and just the idea of, of taking it for granted that I had shot at a certain level for the last couple of years and I, I had nowhere to go, but up. And that just, it doesn't work. You get complacent and, and you make mistakes. You make really bad mistakes, like dropping two no shoots right next to each other. I mean, I've, I've never done anything like that at a match at, at any level. And that's probably because I'd never pushed for speed the same way at, at local matches, because there's just not that level of, of pressure the way that there was on, on my squad at, uh, at nationals, which was good. Like it was, it was awesome to have guys to, uh, to compete against, but I, I cracked under the pressure and to sort of compound that, the fact that I, I ended up coming in below my, my expectations, uh, that it, I mean, it, it, it sent me into a bit of a, into a bit of a tailspin and, and there, there really was no benefit to having the expectations. They're, they're the kind of thing that, uh, creep in when you're not looking. There's a saying that I quite like about, you know, thinking of expectations as weeds that kind of pop up when you're not looking and that you have to be diligent to, to pull them in the way that, you know, a gardener would weed his garden. And I, I think that's really true. I think you don't set out to have any expectations, but you just look up one day and you're like, yeah, I think, I think that's, you know, I think I got that in the bag, whatever that is. And you just have to realize you just have to catch yourself and be like, nope, nope. Stop yourself yank the weed before it before it really takes a root anyway going to sir walter so i had three days of dry fire <laughs> i did all my all the the garage is still completely packed even even to this day you know uh two weeks later we the the garage is probably going to be one of the last things that that does get unpacked so the press is still packed luckily i have a bunch of ammo that i loaded for nationals and actually even some ammo uh left over from the from the north carolina section back in October. Uh, so I've got, I've got ammo to shoot matches. I couldn't really get into a, a full practice routine right now. Cause that's uh that's a much higher round count, but, but I've at least got enough, enough loaded to, to get me through for now. And luckily the, uh, I, I keep some spare fiber in my range bag because my, my actual like main gun parts kit is packed somewhere in a box, but I was able to find my range bag, swap out the fiber and uh and go race which was uh it was nice the the match it was it was unseasonably warm for january which is i mean this has been a very up and down kind of a kind of winter for us we've had a number of of heat waves or you know whatever you want to call it where it's it's warm for three or four days i mean just today as i'm recording this it's uh it's 10 30 at night and it is 64 degrees outside so that's that's pretty unusual for January in North Carolina. It's uh, usually a 64 would be a decent high temperature for January, but whatever. Anyway, the I had so I had had the ammo and it was a, a, a pretty nice day. And actually, as it turned out, it ended up raining the day before and it was actually raining on the way to the match. And I'll admit, I 
I really, as I was driving over, I really thought to myself, like, should I even be going to shoot this? Like, these are not great conditions. I'm really out of practice. You know, is this, is this the way that I want to kind of go back into the sport and, and start the new year off, start my new season off? And I just, I don't know, I just let it go. I just didn't think about it. I just kept driving. It was raining on the way to the range. And we got to the range and it was still raining and we ended up, the, the match ended up, they, they hadn't stapled up the cardboard because it would just get soaked. Uh, and so we ended up like stapling up the targets half an hour after the normal start time and got started like an hour late. Um, and then the rain like rolled out and we took the bags off the targets and it was a, it was a great day. But the nice thing about the rain is it kind of scared away all the fair weather shooters. And so it was just it was just the regulars. It was the hardcore guys, the the ones that show up because they want to shoot, not because they want to run the new blaster or whatever. And uh, it was it was a really good squad. And I I really am coming to appreciate that that is not always the case. And so when it happens, when you get a really good uh, group of guys to shoot with that are all kind of plugged in and and interested in the sport and trying to do well and not just messing around with their gear, it's a uh, it was it was a good experience, and I think it led to a much better performance than honestly I I had any right to expect. On the first stage of the day, shot ninety four percent of points, uh, twelve alpha two Charlie. Uh, second stage of the day, we'll come back to that one. Uh, third stage of the day, ninety eight percent of points, twenty one alpha one Charlie. Uh, third stage, ninety eight percent of points. Fourth stage, ninety eight percent of points fourth stage 93 percent of points and even the 93 percent of points was 21 alpha two charlie one delta and the charlie and the delta were on one target so other than that one charlie delta target even on that stage there was there was just one other charlie so uh i was i was really i was really amazed that i was able to to shoot points the the way that i was mostly just because i figured for me i find that that accuracy kind of diminishes quicker than speed like you can go a certain speed and you'll get that speed but getting the accuracy that goes with that speed uh, is tough and and just calling your shots I feel like fades pretty quickly now I think good dry fire is really where good shot calling is built and I, I definitely emphasize that in in my dry fire leading up to the match but I was uh I was like I was pretty stoked about that I, I was I felt like I was shooting pretty well not terribly slow anywhere the, the one bummer, so on uh, on the second stage of the day, uh, of the of the hits on paper, uh, I was 23 alpha and one Charlie. So basically all alphas except for that one Charlie. Uh, I did I did actually forget a target, but it was it was it's just one of those weird things that happens. It had never happened exactly like this to me before, and so I'll just have to kind of watch out for this in the future. But it, the what ended up happening was I I had picked a plan where I stepped in, and so in production you know start with ten in the mag, one in the in the chamber. So I've got eleven rounds, and I, I decided to step in. There was a pretty good spot where I could see five targets, and I just posted up and shot two, four, six, eight, ten. And as I was coming into that last target, I, I broke the first shot early. And as I was doing the reload, I looked up at the target and I could see there was a, a delta and an alpha. So I finished the reload, punched back out to that target, put another alpha on it, and then uh, shot two other targets. And in my mind, that satisfied my stage plan for shooting the three targets in that position. But one of those three targets, obviously, was the makeup 
from the previous position. So I I should have shot that makeup two two and then two on yet another target, uh, and I just didn't. It, you know, it was, it was a tiny little bit of a memory stage. Uh, I, you know, the target I, I would have had to sort of shift my shoulders over to see that that third target that I missed. Um, but I just I just didn't visualize it enough. And um, honestly, I don't know that I've ever done something like that where I I do the reload and then take the makeup shot after the reload. Um, so that was just kind of something that, you know, even, even after all these years, even after the, the matches that I've shot there, there's still little, uh, just little complications. You know, you, you will never really do everything in the sport. There's always one more thing, one more little surprise, one more little scenario that, uh, that you've never run into before. And to me, that's, that's part of what keeps the sport interesting, but it, it definitely is a bit of a, a gut check about not, not getting complacent. You know, they're even, even though the stage might not look that complicated, you know, you, there's just there, once the timer goes off, once you're shooting, once you're throwing makeup shots and doing reloads, anything can happen. And, and so, you know, uh, don't, don't get too complacent. So, but anyway, other than, other than the, you know, two, two mics in a procedural, which obviously tanked my score on that stage, but the, the fact that of the shots that I aimed at paper, you know, when I shot that Delta, I called it, made it up, you know, other than that, there was just the one Charlie for the stage. I mean, that, that was pretty much the theme was uh, pretty much all alphas except for one Charlie per stage, which is is probably a little bit too much. I mean, those stages where I'm shooting 98% of points, it's, that's probably a little on the high side. Um, I don't, so I'm reading those off practice score competitor uh, on my match videos, I, I break out which hits are, you know, how much of the, the hits on each stage are on steel. But, you know, on most stages it was six, you know, five, six, seven shots on the steel, if not more. So, you know, that throws the, the percentages off a little bit. But still, one Charlie for a stage after after taking two months off. Um, shooting, you know, not slow. I'm, I'm okay with that. And I think the reason I was able to, to step up and shoot is I, I just I wasn't feeling any any pressure um even the you know the guys that on the squad that that i normally shoot against um you know we were just having a good time we were it was a good day it was raining nobody was really trying to go completely crazy and you know win overall or anything like that uh we were we were just kind of taking it easy cruising through shooting the shooting the stages taking the turn passing around the timer and and in that environment it was it was very surprising to me that even with relatively little practice, I, I shot I shot quite well. So that's something I'm I'm trying to take away and remember going forward about just that feeling of kind of calm, you know, confidence and and just not not getting too keyed up, not trying to make anything happen. Just get your hand to the gun, get your grip on the gun, move it between the targets, and don't you know don't try and control the gun, don't try and stop it from moving. Let it do what it's going to do. Let it recover and and keep shooting. Um, I, and I will also say something that that's been interesting with this off season is I've found, so one of the things that I was working on probably the second half of 2019 is I have a, I have a bad habit and this is a longstanding thing. Uh, I've been doing this for at least two, probably three years, um, if not longer, but I, I basically, I have a bad habit of breaking the shot as soon as my front sight, like I'll be tracking the front sight coming into a target, um, which tells me I'm, I'm following the sight across. I'm not looking to the, to the, to the next A zone and bringing the sight to it, which is something I'm working on. But I, 
I'll be sort of tracking the site as it comes onto the target. And as soon as the, as soon as the front site breaks cardboard or like breaks the C zone, I'm, I'm firing the first shot. And so there have been targets historically where I'll get alpha delta and the delta is the first shot. I'll literally be transitioning over. And as soon as the front site is, is on the target defined as the cardboard, not the A zone when really, I mean, especially in production, your target is not the target. Your target is the A zone. Everything around it is, you know, just uh, just fluff. But as soon as my front sight is on the cardboard, I'm, I'm breaking that first shot, rack up the delta, gun goes up, comes back down, and when it settles back down, it's on it's on the alpha, and I fire the second shot, get get alpha delta. And so this is, you know, something that I've uh, struggled with, and, and to a certain degree, I think it was it was driven by my my attitude and putting putting too much emphasis on breaking the shot as soon as the as soon as the sight is either on the target or on the a zone and there because there i mean there is a logic to that uh you know firing the shot as soon as possible but the best explanation that i can come up with for for kind of the way that i'm thinking about it differently again since maybe the second half of 2019 is that it's actually it's actually better to bring the gun to the target and stop the horizontal movement and as soon as that horizontal movement stops, then break the shot so that when the gun is recoiling, it's going straight up and down. Because if you've got if you've got a good grip on the gun, it's not really going to recoil up into the left or up into the right. It's just going to go straight up and straight back down if it's stopped left to right. But if it's still got left to right momentum, then when the gun goes off, it's got that left to right component and now it's got a vertical component and they add up to this sort of figure eight recoil pattern something that I was I was working on last year was really both driving the gun to the A zone. So looking to the A zone and then bringing the gun behind it, not sort of tracking the sight as it moved across, uh, which was, you know, a big change for me, but also just trying to get a feeling for stopping the gun, not 100%, not rock solid, equal height, equal light, but just, just giving it that extra half of a tenth just to stabilize and slow down and decelerate and and be relatively stopped so that when the shot went off, the gun recoiled straight up and down and came back. So to put some numbers on it, let's say it does take 0.05 to wait for the gun to stop, but then I could shoot two A's in 0.2 instead of 0.3 because it took that extra tenth to recover the sight when it still had that horizontal component of its of its momentum. So in that way, it feels like you're waiting and you're actually shooting slower, but it by by just letting the gun settle that little bit more, you can actually shoot faster. And it doesn't, it, you know, it's not a, a super noticeable difference when you're shooting. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're on like an El Prez array or, you know, starting to sp- space them out a little bit more than an El Prez array, you start to sound a little bit more like the, the shots are, are pairs, you know, pop, 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 pop. Um, it's not total Blake drill, equal equal splits, equal transitions. Uh, but I think in most scenarios, you're not shooting targets that are an El Prez array distance. They're not a target's width away from each other. Um, they they tend to be a little bit more than that. And it doesn't take much more than that to uh, to to really influence the gun. If you're coming in with, with a good amount of horizontal momentum and you don't stop the gun and you fire that first shot, then basically you have two options fire the the second shot when you kind of see a glimpse of the fiber somewhere in the rear notch because it's it's not going straight up and coming straight back down or you wait for it to go up into the left or up into the right just depending on the the direction the gun was moving when you broke the shot and then you recenter it and fire the second shot but 
by by applying that notion that that sort of theoretical approach of of really emphasizing in my dry fire leading up to the match such as it was and then visualizing into into my actual stage plans that element of not just sweeping the gun across the target but move stop the horizontal component shoot twice move to the next target stop the horizontal component shoot the fact that that i was shooting significantly better points like better even than for me and i i tend to be a a fairly accurate but slow shooter in most in most matches i tend to i tend to get decent points um but but be on the slow side and so to be what i felt like was was pretty sporty um honestly fat again faster than i was expecting for having taken the time off and be getting one charlie a stage that was a that that was a that was a pretty good confirmation that okay this is this is the this is a technique that's at least worth pursuing further there's there's promise here uh, and so let's let's see if you can run with it i will definitely say it was it was interesting to me how you know i've taken off seasons before i don't know if i've really taken one quite this dramatic where it's ba- it was literally 2 months without touching the gun and and i think off seasons actually become more important the better you get um i know you'll you'll see people especially this time of year uh you'll see people on on social media posting about oh you know i'm i'm training while everybody else is uh while everybody else is taking their break so i'm going to come out ahead next time or next season you know I'll, I'll be i'll have the jump on them and i think that is actually a better strategy if you're earlier in your career like i actually don't think you necessarily need to take an off season if you've only been in the sport a couple of years now if you're two years into the sport and last year you shot 50,000 rounds or whatever, or you were dry firing four or five days a week in your second year in the sport, obviously, yeah, you probably could use an off season. But what what makes me say all this is that I, I've had a unique experience this year where I sort of appreciate more how taking taking the time off in the off season has, the, the best way I can describe it is it's sort of reduced the muscle memory all around and it's it's been a bit of a reset button and so there were just you know little habits just ways that i would grab the gun out of the holster or things about just just habits just muscle memory that i've been doing for years about the way i would grip the gun or or pull the trigger and as much as i would try and train out of them there was just something about being in the height of of the season last year and dry firing regularly going to practice regularly that there were I was still getting enough reps in doing it a mixture of the right and the wrong way that the wrong way would get reinforced enough that I really I just I couldn't I couldn't really get rid of it and I just coming back to it now after two months off I I just have this sense that that the slate has been wiped clean in a way now that's a good and a bad thing because both the 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 skills that I was working on they've they've been maybe maybe slate wiped clean is is the wrong way to look at it but everything's been sort of sanded down a little bit everything's been uh been been sanded away and and now the things that i couldn't necessarily actively train out of i feel like have have been forgotten and so by sort of inactively training out of them i i have a bit more of a clean slate and i can just go in with these these new technique changes the, my sort of new newish ways of gripping the gun and particularly transitioning between targets and because everything has been washed away to some degree only what I choose to build back up comes back in and that's why I'm, I'm coming around to the idea that 
it's actually more important the more basically the more bad habits you have the more you can't train out of them the only way that you can really get rid of them or, or get some kind of reset button or clean slate is is taking an off season and thus the off season is what becomes more important the better you get and I mean that makes sense to me I, I you know I look back on my career I started shooting USPSA in 2013 I took a Steve Anderson class in the fall of 2014 actually it was in November 2014 right after I'd gotten back from working the nationals in St. George Utah and I I was I was kind of burned out like I hadn't done that well at nationals I I was just kind of done I I was just looking forward to kind of cruising through and just kind of shooting some matches for fun and not really getting serious but the the Steve Anderson class actually kind of opened my eyes to what was possible with dry fire and, and gave me a practice schedule to work on and so yeah winter of 2014 I didn't take an off season winter of 2015 I didn't and I don't I'd have to check. I may have I may have started doing an off season in in 2016, maybe, but you know those those first couple of years from 2014 2015 when I really was hitting dry fire hard, trying to get my classification, take it seriously, really trying to work towards M class and eventually GM. I uh, I, I wasn't taking an off season, and I I don't think I would have benefited from one because I just I didn't have the reps, I didn't have the time in the sport that I really would have benefited from it, but coming into into this year and, and sort of having this experience forced upon me of of this two-month offseason um honestly and even i mean maybe going forward um i haven't really thought about what else to to shoot in between now and the south carolina section which uh i want to say is in april this year yeah i gotta i gotta look forward to that and, and start planning for it but you know i mean i can't really start training until i get the the garage set up and the the reloading press and everything but i can at least I, I can at least start dry firing, but I'm I'm sort of toying with with the power of this, you know, letting the off season do its magic and and kind of wipe things away and give me a, a clean slate to work from. Again, because I mean, I definitely so last year was definitely the hardest year I've ever trained live fire. Shot you know practice way more than I, I've done in any any past year. Dry fire was definitely lacking. But yeah, last year was a was was my heaviest live fire year on record, and and so I think there's a certain amount of there are definitely things that I learned from that that I want to apply going forward. But it, it is nice having this this feeling of even while I'm away doing other things, I'm sort of getting this reset so that when I come back to it, I'll I'll really have a a clean slate and and be able to just build back up the skills and the techniques that I really want to ingrain and the things that I I was just never really able to train out of will just kind of be be washed away so i don't know where you are as you as you listen to this if you're in the middle of your off season and you worked your butt off last year then you know keep it up like enjoy that and and really look forward to to having the the, the old habits washed away uh if you didn't really hit it that hard last year maybe it is time to to start dry firing get a get a jump on everybody else um that's that's the beauty of dry fire you can do it indoors even even when it's cold or i mean if you're around here in north carolina we've had some quite mild and and pleasant weekend days so you can you can even maybe get in a few january practice sessions but uh one other thing that that i thought was interesting about the uh about the match though that i have in my notes here that i wanted to, to talk about is just i i like i i like this walter match it is an excellent match. Most months, it is an eight-stage club match that, as I've said before on the podcast, would 
would be quite acceptable as a state level match i think in many parts of the country it is the stages are all designed and debugged ahead of time the the setup crew knows what they're doing the angles are challenging and and for the most part uh debugged there aren't a lot of there they're never shoot throughs there aren't a lot of sort of unintentional ways to to shoot something from where you're not supposed to so it's it's a it's a pretty darn good club match uh, but it's, I mean, on a weekly basis, or on a monthly basis, it's its a commitment. You know, we start shooting at 10, and you're usually done around 4 o'clock, 3.30, if you have a squad that's really moving. Uh, if you get stuck behind the stage that's a backup, and it's the summer, and you've got a 14, 15-man squad, you could be getting done around 5. Um, and I thought, it was, I thought it was just really interesting that we, because of the rain delay, we started at 11, uh, because the rain did scare people off, we had smaller squads, and we were done by three. Like even with the rain, even with having to run the first stage with bags on, even with you know having mud and having to pick up quite a fair bit of steel out of the mud, um, more than I would have chosen if if I were involved with the, the decision making. But I wasn't because I didn't show up on setup day, so I don't. I'm not really complaining. But uh, they, there was a good amount of steel, which you know slowed reset down a little bit. But but even with all that, we shot. So they dropped uh, the big field course, usually 32-round big field course, just because the, the field was muddy and uh, we didn't want to tear it up too bad. And so we ended up having seven stages, and we shot that in four hours, 11 to 3. And I over half, the, half of my squad, like we all just stopped for lunch on the way back because it was 3.30 by the time we got to the restaurant. And people could like people could actually spend a little time, build a little bit of a uh, little bit of social fabric, like actually talk about stuff, bounce ideas off of each other, and and I think that's I think that's good for the sport. Um, it really was a, a very interesting experience, and and it really made me glad that that I did go shoot the match, whether you know whether notwithstanding, just getting to uh, to catch up with again, like I said, the you know the regulars who just show up, they they care about the sport, they're they're interested in getting better, and. It was uh, it was it was a really good experience, and I think, you know, I I don't, I don't know what what you do about this, but I definitely appreciate the fact that, um, you know, in this case, seven stages, I mean, six stages in a classifier, however you want to look at it. I mean, that was that was plenty. It was a good experience to get out and shoot. I didn't feel like the the field course was missing, and we were in and out in four hours, shot to shot, and uh, and got to you know actually spend some time building some some social capital. Which I think, like I said, I think it's important in the sport, you know, especially with people coming from different backgrounds and kind of being able to to swap different perspectives. Uh, you know, I, I I've been in the sport long enough that I sort of forget what it's like as an outsider, you know, coming to it. What what things that we take for granted that are totally normal, and so it's always interesting just to talk to people. You know, everyone from military guys, cops, you know, people with no, you know, firearms profession like myself you know just just get a chance to to talk to everybody and uh yeah just build those bonds so i, I really appreciate that and i don't think that would have I, i'm glad i i'm glad i didn't let the rain uh scare me off because i think it actually ended up making the match uh something something a little bit unusual in in the best way so i uh i felt very very fortunate to be a part of that well that wraps up this episode of short course I post my match videos at youtube.com slash USPSA. My email is podcast at berryshooting.com. If I get enough questions for a Q&A episode, I'll go ahead and knock one of those out. Talk to you next time.